Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I have more sympathy for Ashley Babbitt and the incarcerated January 6th protesters than I do for Brittany Griner. I say that because I'm not shocked or surprised that Russia would make an American citizen a political prisoner. It's exactly what my school teachers told me Russia did. I naively expected more from our criminal justice system. Welcome, welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock. Happy Wednesday to you and yours. It is hump day, and boy, do we have a great show planned for you. Royce White's gonna be here, Delano Squire's gonna be here, Shamika Michelle, Maj Torre, Tennessee Harmony with Pastor Anthony Walker. Fabulous show, but I'm not sure anything's gonna top this fire I'm about to start. I just gave you a little taste of it. Uh, Let's get right into it. Uh, I grew up believing America's imperfect criminal justice system was the fairest in the world. My school teachers taught me that as a child. They warned that America's primary rival, the Soviet Union slash Russia, practiced a cleverly disguised system of oppression and corruption in which citizens were powerless against government forces. They said American citizenship was a privilege, that people in other countries would do virtually anything to enjoy our rights and freedom. Popular culture reinforced the narratives I learned in school. I'll never forget the first time I watched the 1978 movie, Midnight Express. It was an adaptation of the life of Billy Hayes, an American vacationing in Turkey. Turkish police captured Billy Hayes at the airport in possession of two kilograms of hash. He's sentenced to four years in prison for possession. Shortly before his release, the prosecutor changes Billy's conviction to smuggling and he's resentenced to 30 years in prison. Billy is beaten and raped in prison. The food is terrible, I took notice. I remember making a mental note that I did not ever want to break the law in a foreign country. Years later, I watched the 1999 movie, Broken Down Palace. It was a fictional movie about two American girls vacationing in Thailand. A slick Australian man tricked them into smuggling heroin. Thai police captured the ladies at the airport. They're sentenced to 33 years in prison. A corrupt prosecutor later adds 15 more years to their sentence. Broken Down Palace reinforced my commitment to never break the law while traveling abroad. I bring all this up to make a point about Brittany Griner, the WNBA player jailed in Russia for possessing a small amount of hashish at a Russian airport. She's suffering 
in a woke-down palace. I don't make the reference to Vilify Griner. Who knows if she really broke the law? I certainly don't. I bring it up to say I'm not remotely surprised the Russian government is dealing with her in a potentially corrupt way. I expect it. I was educated to believe Russia's system of governance is far more corrupt than America's. I also believe Russia's culture is far more bigoted towards black people than America's. Brittany Griner got arrested in the absolute wrong place at the absolute wrong time. It baffles me that the American media are attempting to make what's happening to Griner an example of American racism. The Los Angeles Times recently published a piece by the great Bill Plasky. I got a lot of respect for Bill Plasky, but his column vilified America for what's happening to Brittany Griner in Russia. The piece argues that American racism is the reason Griner isn't at home safe, sound, and spending the millions she earned playing basketball in Russia. Plasky wrote, these are his words. She's black, she's covered in tattoos, she has dreadlocks, she's gay, she doesn't fit America's image of the ideal female athlete, so America is pretty much shrugging its shoulders. If this had been Tom Brady, we'd be going to war right now. That's what Plasky wrote. He then quoted Griner's WNBA coach, Vanessa Nygaard, take a listen for yourself. If it was LeBron, he'd be home, right? Yeah, it does. It's a, it's a statement about the value of women. It's a statement about the value of a black person. It's a statement about the value of a gay person. Um, all of those things. And uh, we, we know it. And so that's what hurts a little more. So Brittany Griner is locked up in Russia, but there's not enough outrage. And this is a statement about how America feels about black tattooed gay women. She's locked up. A six foot eight black woman is locked up in Russia over a tiny amount of hash and it's America's fault. Really? What's the matter with us? Are we really filled with this much self-hate? I gotta, I have experience in dealing with a foreign country that wrongly incarcerated a black American citizen. In 2016, Chinese police arrested a former Ball State University linebacker. You guys know I love Ball State, I played there. Wendell Brown, he got locked up for a minor bar altercation. Wendell spent three years locked up inside a Chinese prison. For his release, China's corrupt, bigoted criminal justice system required that the alleged victim needed to be paid $40,000. Guess who paid it? I did, I paid it. Wendell came home in September of 2019 after I paid off the Chinese corrupt government and the corrupt alleged victim. Wendell is a great young man. Chinese culture is hostile towards black people unless you're tall and play basketball. LeBron James won't tell you that. 
No one associated with the NBA will state this obvious fact. Money is their ruler, not truth. Like LeBron James, Brittany Griner is a globalist. She'll go anywhere and say anything for the paycheck. Dissatisfied with her WNBA salary, Griner traveled to Russia to earn millions of dollars. There's a cost to the global agenda, a loss of American rights, customs, and freedom. Griner earns approximately $221,000 a season in the WNBA. That's a more than fair salary for a league that loses millions of dollars each year and is basically a charity financed by the NBA. WNBA players and their supporters disagree. American sexism is why WNBA players don't earn millions of dollars playing a game virtually no one in America will pay to watch. According to the globalists, America is always the bad guy. America is always evil. Griner is getting a taste of Russian oppression. It tastes like 1800s America, a time Griner knows nothing about. We can only hope that when she does return to America, she'll muster the courage to sing this country's praises. This week, she wrote President Joe Biden a letter begging him to secure her release. WNBA and NBA players have spent the last five years demonizing America. Griner refused to stand for the national anthem. LeBron James and the NBA swallowed the entire Black Lives Matter agenda. Sitting in a Russian jail, Griner has rediscovered her patriotism. She wrote, quote, <clears throat> to Biden, on the 4th of July, our family normally honors the service of those who fought for our freedom, including my father, who is a Vietnam veteran. It hurts thinking about how I usually celebrate this day because freedom means something completely different to me this year. Bottom line, I have more sympathy for Ashley Babbitt and the incarcerated January 6th protesters than I do for Brittany Griner. I say that because I'm not shocked or surprised that Russia would make an American citizen a political prisoner. It's exactly what my school teachers told me Russia did. I foolishly, naively expected more from our criminal justice system. That's my fire. I'm gonna fan the flames of this fire by making a reference to uh, Michael Fay. Does anybody remember him? 1994, Michael Fay uh, was a young kid arrested in Singapore. He and some friends allegedly uh, vandalized some cars and property in Singapore. He got locked up in Singapore and was sentenced to four to six months in prison, I believe, and to be struck by a cane six times. They caned people in Singapore. This was a big controversial thing. It was a you know, big controversy back, back in the mid-90s. He tried to fight. They eventually got it reduced down to four strikes of the cane. Again, some, many of you way too young to remember this, but I do. This is why you don't do stupid things in foreign countries.
because they have different laws, customs, and rules. They do brutal things. In Singapore, they cane you, and that guy got caned four times. I think the, the U.S. government reduced the strikes from six to four. Again, the Billy Hayes story from Midnight Express, that's a true story. The movie, you know, exaggerates some things, but Billy Hayes wrote a book. That's a true story about what happened to him in Turkey. He had to escape. The Midnight Express was his escape. Like 10, 15 years into his sentence, he escaped from a Turkish prison. Broken Down Palace or Broke Down Palace, that's a fictional story. But again, it, it stuck with me. And so my expectations for foreign criminal justice systems are low. Everything I was taught growing up about the Soviet Union, Russia, was like, their criminal justice is corrupt. Their whole system is corrupt. Any, I know people that have traveled to Russia and are like, be very careful over there. The Russian police, extremely corrupt. Don't get caught slipping. They will rob you. They will kill you. They will wrongly incarcerate you. So the, I, I have a tiny bit of sympathy for Brittany Griner. She's dumb, did something stupid in a foreign country, allegedly. She's a political prisoner, no doubt being used. But so are those people on January 6th, right here in this country, American citizen. They did something stupid and wrong. They don't need to be locked up in dungeons forever. They should be out of jail. Ashley Babbitt shouldn't have been shot. Uh, Royce White, uh, I'd love for you to help uh, come in and, and fan the flames. How much sympathy, how outraged are you about what's going on with uh, Brittany Griner, and is it America's fault? Well, I don't think I could have uh, laid it out any better than you did with that fire. That's one of the best I've seen since I've been working the show, so hats off to you for that. Um, what, what I will say is wars have consequences. You know, wars have real consequences, and I think people are very naive to those consequences and, and how the global affects the local. Right now, our conflict with Russia certainly, I believe, is having an impact on, on Brittany Griner's situation. Certainly, I don't agree with her uh, using drugs. I don't really agree with the use of drugs whatsoever, um, and I don't agree with her taking the drugs into that country. But I do think it's a really minor infraction in the, in the, the heat between us and Russia the war that's going on between us and Russia is impacting the way Brittany Griner is being treated. And, and you know, there's culpability on both sides. You know, the, 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 the thing that troubles me most is that the same people who want to use race to call for Brittany Griner's immediate release or that she be treated more fairly elected this president. They elected this president. They've entrusted this government, not just this president or this party, but this government and the establishment to ensure their freedom and security. And we've become so fat, you know, with, with luxury and, and, and prosperity that we really believe we can go to a hostile country and, and, and move about as we as we want with with no consequences. So, you know, there's a failure or a naivety around American citizens and the rights and the, the, the state of our rights on the global scale. 
Uh, and then there's obviously the everyday political information war that's going on with the left and trying to say that Britney's in the situation she's in because she's black or dreads or because she's a woman and she's not paid equally. All of that stuff is just ridiculous on its face. But there is a real implication here about the geopolitics and, and the, the state of American citizenship around the world. Well, to me, this is all a byproduct of this globalist agenda that uh, it's, it's corporations, it's politicians. It's, to me, it's all of the elite. elite. Again, and you were a first-round NBA draft pick, certainly an elite athlete. But elite athletes and this entitlement, like, hey, I only make 200000 over here in the WNBA. America is sexist. Let me go over to Russia and grab this million-dollar bag and I'm gonna run around like I'm in America and if I wanna carry weed, it's no big deal because I'm an elite athlete, blah, blah. Well, hold on. You'd have been better off taking this 220,000 and keeping your ass over here in America uh, where you enjoy all these other ancillary benefits beyond money. And so I just look at all of these guys from Brittany Griner to LeBron James, they're ruled by money. That, yeah. That's the only thing they value they, they can't see the other values that this country has to offer, freedom, a right to an attorney, a criminal justice system that is flawed and imperfect, but it's a lot more fair than what you're gonna experience in Russia, and it's a lot more fair than what Wendell Brown and I experienced with his experience in a Chinese prison. And, and what drives me crazy, again, they're playing the race card on America, it's far more racist in Russia and China than it is yeah. here in America, and these athletes know it. Yeah, no, 100%. In China, China's the most racist country on the planet. There's no doubt about that. And, and Russia may be a very close second. Um, we are the only country on record that has gone to fight a war to abolish slavery. Okay, that, that's just a fact. Um, they are driven by money. And, and really what it is is they have no sacred honor. And a lot of us American citizenships have taken for granted the ideas of sacred honor that were instilled in our foundational values that get projected onto us as we walk around uh, American citizens anywhere in the world. And, and you know, you, you play stupid games, you get stupid prizes. You know, all of these people wanted, these athletes included, they want to vote Democrat. They want to get caught up in the woke politics, and, and they have no clue how the real world works. And, and Brittany Griner's getting a reality check, and I feel terrible that, that she has to encounter a reality check in, in this way. Because in my opinion, despite my differences with her politically, despite my disagreement with her radical materialism or her chasing money in some other country, which I, by the way, have never done, I got blackballed from the NBA and I refused to go take a number of overseas contracts because I don't trust any of these countries overseas, let alone Russia. I mean, th that's just, I would never go to Russia under any circumstances uh, currently, but over the last 10 years, because it, it is a corrupt country. Um, now, how, that's not to say how I feel about Putin in the war or anything like that. I'm just saying, traditionally, I was not really ready to go to other countries to chase an overseas basketball career. I played in Canada for two years, and I'm happy I got out of there with, with my freedom based on everything that's happened. Um, but Brittany is, is, a, is a byproduct of an American populace that has been educated to believe 
America is racist, is corrupt, is is um, anti-freedom, is anti a number of things, and it, it has its flaws. But it's nothing compared to what some other countries are around the world. And it's a wake-up call to everybody right now that supports Brittany Griner to take a look at what Russia really represents, but what American freedom and American citizen repre uh, citizenship represents. Royce, I, I want to end on this note, and, and this will sound like I'm just glossing or celebrating me and you, but, but you know, people think you're crazy. And, and, and they made that accusation, oh, this guy threw away an NBA career to, to make some stand about mental health and blah, blah, blah. People think I'm crazy. Whitlock, man, he, if he had just done the right thing, he could have been getting that check from ESPN and Fox Sports and blah, blah, blah. We're not crazy just because there are some principles that we're going to stand on and we're going to manipulate and move our careers in a way that, that makes us feel like we're not violating the things that we actually believe in. And so if that sounds like I'm kissing your butt or even kissing my own, I don't care because what I'm really trying to do is tell other men, stand for something. Stand. Trust me, if you stand for something, God will take care of you. And all these things that you think that, oh, if I'm making $10 million a year or $5 million a year, that's gonna be the greatest thing in the world. It's really not this, this material, because I've had all the money. It does not bring you the kind of joy, happiness, fulfillment, purpose that standing for something and doing the right thing actually does. And that's why I salute you. And, and it's, it took me from the outside, because I didn't know you until we started doing this show together. And from the outside, I was like, man, wow, this dude cost himself an NBA career. But I, getting to know you and having the conversations, it's like, I get it. This guy actually has some principles and some morality and some integrity things he's willing to stand on come hell or high water. And I just got, I have respect for you. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, I had a, a long career uh, of, of turmoil, you could say, and I'm still in my career playing in the big three. And I'm, I'm appreciative of them that I have an opportunity to still play here in America, uh, even though I'm, I'm deeply, deeply estranged from the NBA and the NBA community. Um, but, but, but I agree with, with what you're saying completely. Um, I think for me, I, I continue to be frustrated as an individual when I see people succumb to their their material desires. And I, and I know that they've been conditioned that way, right? Like the materialism, the radical materialism isn't something that came on organically. There was a time in America where we weren't radical materialists, where we did live more simple lives and we were more humble and, and family oriented and we farmed and, you know, it may have been a long time ago, but there was a time where we had that. Um, now, the same people who, who criticized the system um, want nothing more but the spoils of that system, right? We, we talk about a system, but all of our actions are aimed at trying to climb the ladder of that system and become the people who we criticize. And, and for all of these woke leftists, you know, they can talk about, you know, like AOC, Ilhan, I pick one, pick any of them, Cory Booker, Kamala, doesn't matter. They can talk about being anti-corporate or anti-elite or anti-rich. They would trade anything in a heartbeat to be Vladimir Putin. 
They would trade anything in a heartbeat to be President Xi. They are working on trading anything and everything to become Joe Biden or Barack Obama. They want the elitism that they criticize. And, and that's the distinction that American citizens have to make going forward out of our leadership is there are people who fairly criticize the system for things and flaws that it has. And there are people who are doing it in order to achieve or acquire the elitism that they criticize. And Brittany Griner very well may be one of them. Right. She she kneeled for the anthem and and all of that's I disagree with it. I understand it. Um, but but the, the main point is that she's running to a wake up call about America because sports and politics, which are not separate or not as separate as people think, do have a real superficial physical uh, uh, um, quantity and value to them. So Brittany Griner's appearance, Brittany Griner's position in society, Brittany Griner's celebrity, Brittany Griner's name notoriety is going to have an impact on her ability to be freed from Russia, whether people like it or not. And the reason why people shouldn't complain is we, by and large, like a society that is built on name notoriety. We just don't like it when it doesn't play out well for us. Thank you, Royce. Great job as always. Appreciate it. Uh, let me take care of a little business. Uh, we've definitely had some tough times, but we recently had some wins for truth and the American family. The pendulum may swing back at any moment, but the center of that change has to be the family, your family. Ronald Reagan once said, all great change in America starts at the dinner table. Well, <laughs> there's no company doing more to help you bring your family and friends to the table than Good Ranchers. Good Ranchers delivers 100% American meat experience to your door. They guarantee you meat that is born, raised, and harvested here in the U.S. so you know you're supporting, so you know exactly what you're supporting. I have personally tried it, and this is truly a great product. The T-bones, burgers, ribeyes, and even chicken, it's all some of the best I've had. I mean, they age every cut to perfection so that you can enjoy a true steakhouse experience every single time. Every box is of superior quality, flavor, and value. Good Ranchers supports American agriculture and business. They support us and what we do, so go check them out. Support those who support us. Your country and taste buds will thank you. Make sure to use my code, FEARLESS, to get $30 off your order, plus get free express shipping. You can make, things, you can make gatherings at the table common again with Good Ranchers. Take advantage of this offer before it's gone. Go to GoodRanchers.com slash fearless to start bringing people to the table, creating change in America, and eating seriously delicious food from Good Ranchers, American meat delivered. All right, Delano Squires, eggs. All right, welcome back. Uh, let's roll out to Washington, D.C. and bring in uh, Fearless's number one public intellectual, uh, the smartest man on the show, Delano Squires. Uh, Delano has written about L. Duncan and Girl Dads. We talked about L. Duncan uh, yesterday and her video she put out about Girl Dads. Let's take a look. Let's take a look at what L. Duncan had to say. Over time, what started as a touching tribute to the bond between fathers and daughters has turned mostly into a kitschy, commercialized catchphrase. I know you've seen the t-shirts. I certainly see the hashtags. You know, you're playing catch in the yard, hashtag girl dad. 
Father's Day pics, hashtag girl dad, literally any content with a girl in it, girl dad. But strip girls of their constitutional rights, silence. I want the dads watching to ask themselves a really honest question right now, and I mean that. How does the sentiment of being a girl dad evolve beyond superficial social media posts into actual advocacy? Are you carrying that same pride for your daughters into boardrooms, locker rooms, courtrooms? Are you doing everything in your power to protect their rights? Do you trust them to make difficult decisions for themselves and their bodies? Should they be given full agency over their own lives? Can you confidently state to the women in your lives that you've used your power and privilege as men for their betterment? That you've done all you can to ensure that at the very least, they'll have the same rights afforded to decades of women before them. I had a friend the other day tell me that I was fearless. It is quite the opposite. I am filled with fear. But this is not a fire drill, and so I'm going to keep speaking up, even when it is uncomfortable, even when it means saying goodbye to my mentions, even if it alienates me from a faction of the public. I don't know if anything that I am doing will help, but I'm trying. And I suppose that all I'm asking to all of you well-meaning, proud girl dads out there is, are you? Uh, you know, th there's a difference between working hard and working smart, and so she's mm -hmm. trying to help women, but she's not doing it in a smart way. And so I, I applaud the effort, honestly, but her advice is horrendous. We have reduced women's freedoms and rights to their ability to kill children in the womb. And if, if they can't, if they don't have the right to kill children in the womb, they have no rights, they're not free, and men aren't protecting women uh, if they're not, or dads aren't protecting women if they're not protecting girls, and she used the word girls' rights to abort babies. Delano, you're a father. I just have to think there are better ways a father can advocate support for his daughter, uh, including perhaps saying abstinence, safe sex, contraceptives are better vehicles to protect your daughter than abortion. Yeah, Jason, I mean, I, I spent um, the entire 4th of July weekend, Independence Day weekend, um, with a house full of girls. So my, my best friend and his wife came up, they have three daughters, my own daughter, um, one of my other goddaughters. And as, as I look at these girls who rage in, age, range in age from, let's say from three till about 13, no part of me wanted to say that, you know, that to be a fully empowered woman is to some t at some t point in the future, consider killing your own offspring. Um, no part of me wanted to say that that's a constitutional right or that that is something that God approves of, right? That's one of the rights that comes from our creator, that the God that creates life in the womb, right, who, who talks about the human being as being fearfully and wonderfully made in his image, whether from in, in Genesis 127 or, or Psalm 139, uh, 13 through 14, that that God is also the one that says, yes, um, that promotion, that college scholarship 
or or just being free from this particular relationship means that you should you should uh, kill that life that's growing in, in your womb. That's not a message of empowerment to me. And people like L. Duncan think that they're doing women a favor. And to me, what they're doing is selling the lie that feminism has been selling for the last 60 plus years, which is that children are a burden to women, that they get in in the way of their true purpose, uh, which is to pursue the same uh, corporate and, and economic pursuits as what men do. Um, it it, it di- divorces sex from the act of reproduction. Uh, I think the, the, the phrase casual sex is one of the most damaging phrases in the English language. And what L. Duncan is doing is telling women in, in one segment, she'll say, women are empowered, right? We're celebrating 50 years of Title IX. Women can do anything men can do. And in the next segment, she'll say, well, we can do everything men can do except manage our own cycle, right? We, we, there's five days in a month where we can get pregnant, give or take. And the same women who run the world and the boss chicks can't even figure out how to not get pregnant. And, and to me, she's selling women a, a bill of goods because um, the, the notion that uh, children, marriage, family are burdens that need to be cast off is not a message of empowerment. It's certainly not something that this girl dad would want to teach his daughters. So I think for L. Duncan, and, and again, I, I, I don't, I beat her up yesterday. I don't want to do that today, but I, I would like for them to understand like a message that if I were a father, and per, you correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. uh, and, and this is like real simple, like you could be teaching girls. There's signs that will indicate you're ready to be a parent. And one of the most obvious signs to me that like, I'm ready for the burden and the challenge and the responsibility of being a parent is, you can just look down at your hand and then you can go look at the other, at the man's hand, and if you don't see a wedding band on either one of those hands, or on both of those hands, you're not ready to be a, a parent. Th- that would Correct. be, equip your daughter with that knowledge. Oh, go look at your hand, baby. Is there a wedding band on there? And the man you're about to sleep with, is there a wedding band on his hand? You two are ready to be parents. Right. If you don't see those rings, you're not, and do everything in your power to make sure you don't produce a baby. Why, why, Lee, why a father should be like, baby, I want to protect you from the, scar, the emotional scars of an abortion because they right. leave emotional scars. Uh, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> we, we can start a campaign today. No wedding, no womb, no ringy, no dingy. I mean, however you want to put it. <laughs> um, it's, it's the same message. And the truth of the matter is that L. Duncan is not the only person who thinks this way. I mean, I, I wrote last week about the womb to tomb evangelical Christians who, even in their post row commentary, never mentioned the words marriage or fatherhood or men or responsibility. Um, so we, we're divorcing things that have always been meant to be in union with one another. And you're right, Jason, abortion does carry scars and it carries scars for women and, and for men. I, I think you had a piece a couple of weeks ago and I, I, um, about, you know, Kyle Murray and, and some of the OJ Simpson of all people, all some of these other guys who are commenting on Roe, guys who uh, really 
from their perspective, probably need abortion. They think they need abortion because they want to be able to have consequence-free sex for um, as, as long as you know their body allows. But I quote tweeted and I said, I was in that position at one point when I was a, a younger man. I won't say how young or what circumstance because I, I don't want to drag anybody else in, into this sort of testimony. But um, when, I, when I was younger, right, well before I got married, I, I mean, I, I paid for an abortion. Um, and, it, and it had nothing. It was obviously it wasn't about rape and incest. It wasn't about any of these other things. It was about I didn't want that responsibility at that time. I had ideas of where I wanted my future to go. Um, I had things that I wanted to do. And a child would have been a burden and an inconvenience to me at that point. And, and I was going to church at the time. Right? I was going to church fairly faithfully. And it was one of those things where I, I never got sort of a, a biblical worldview around sex and the inherent value of life. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not in any way, shape or form blaming the church or the pastor, I, you know, who I was under at the time. But it's one of these things where all the excuses that people make, when it comes down to it, a lot of people um, want abortion to be legal because they don't want the responsibilities of being parents. And as I said, casual sex has made it, that, that mindset, has made it where we have uh, divorced the, the sex act from its natural outcome, which is reproduction. Um, and, and my hope is that with abortion returning to the states and some of those states banning it, that it'll cause people to be a lot more serious about the things that they, about the things that they do, the people that they have sex with, um, so that we don't have to you know, kill another 60 million babies over the over the next 60 years. And it's, it's one of these things where, again, the, those scars run deep because I, I have thought about it. I have thought about how old, you know, that child would have been at this point. Um, and it's something that I had to go to God to and ask for forgiveness and repent of, of that sin. Um, because I, I killed, uh, I stole or I put, helped participate and steal and kill something that belonged to God. Um, and I, that's not something that I that I take lightly. I want to read a couple of excerpts from the column you wrote yesterday that I thought were sure. powerful. Uh, and, you know, one, ESPN and other corporate media outlets think that they are a moral compass when they are actually cultural weather vanes. I thought that was great. Mm. Uh, later in the column, you say ESPN epitomizes everything that is wrong with corporate media today. It is a calculating behemoth that regurgitates whatever narrative has been approved by the uh, ruling class. Uh, and then lastly, there is a certain comfort in the warmth of the crowd that can quickly morph into a consuming fire of cowardice. I, I think those three things all kind of wrap and tie together. Elle Duncan thinks she's showing integrity, being a moral compass, courage, and and really what she's doing is joining the crowd and mm -hmm. being a coward and preaching a lack of responsibility and immoral behavior, behavior that won't take a person to a better place. It actually leads to their demise, gives them these emotional scars that will can damage them for the rest of their lives. But, but I, I re this whole thing of ESPN and people like L. Duncan, I'm the moral compass, and really you just got your finger in the air and you're going with the wind. Exactly, and this extends um, beyond abortion, and, and 
I sort of talk about Elle Duncan and her abortion stance on the backdrop of, you know, the transgender issue, right? ESPN does not allow anything other than complete affirmation when it comes to the issue of men and women's sports. So they will do puff pieces on Leah Thomas. Um, at, At its best, they will give sort of, you know, straight across the board coverage and say, you know, Leah Thomas won the NCAA championship. But when they start to editorialize this, it's all affirmation. And they even got a they them reporter to sit down with Leah Thomas and paint him as if he's the new Jackie Robinson. So it's one of these things where there are millions of girls crying out across the country for people like L. Duncan to stand up for them and to say, hey, we don't like having to take a back seat to these men or these boys in our sports. Can you speak up for us? And the worldwide leader in sports has completely abdicated that role, right? They don't speak for the voiceless. They, they, they speak for the regime. They speak for the ruling class. And whatever the ruling class says is, is you know, sort of the standard line, um, whether it's the personal pronoun stuff, whether it's Oh, uh, you know, if you don't have a certain testosterone level or you're not on this hormone for this period of time, then it's okay. That's exactly what um, ESPN is is going to repeat. And remember, Jason, it's not just the the trans stuff in sports. L. Duncan is the same person who took to the airwaves um, during the halftime of a a women's NCAA uh, basketball game, which no one was watching, and said that ESPN is going to have... um, a moment of silence to stand in solidarity and an allyship with our, uh, you know, corporate um, colleagues at Disney over the quote unquote, don't say gay bill, which is really about parental rights and education. And when they came back from the break, I think it was South Carolina and Howard, it was like 44 to four. That was the score. The two women on the sportscast, they, they read out whatever came down from corporate. One of them, you could tell she was reading it because you sort of stumbling over the words. And it was one of these things where it's just like all these people do is recycle the same narratives that you get on CNN and MSNBC. And, and in many ways, ESPN itself has transitioned. I mean, this is a network that when it started was about sports, right? That You could feel the, the masculine energy in this network. And over the years, like Caitlyn Jenner, um, the, the, the network has slowly sort of begin to quote unquote transition. And now it's at the point where uh, it, it thinks that it's a political network, right? It's like MSNBC plus sports. And they have some of the least qualified people there to read the scripts that come from corporate. And it's a sad thing to see because on the issues that actually involve sports, right? Biological women who are complaining about men in the pool and on the track, ESPN is silent. And then they have the brass to celebrate Title IX and talk about the 50th anniversary of Title IX and then turn around the next day and say, we think men should be in women's sports, which again, reflects the position of this current administration that is looking to expand Title IX protections so that uh, quote unquote transgender athletes can compete according to the gender identity. So in every way you define it, ESPN is the epitome of, of calculated corporate cowardice and and i think it was about time that somebody said that you know and i gotta let you go i'm running out of time but i want to end on this note uh espn is like a big pharma pharmaceutical company they're they're the pfizer Mm. of sports and they're passing out biblical blockers 
and mm. it's that left-wing ideology <laughs> that's a biblical blocker that they're giving to athletes and broadcasters, mm. and it's everything to do to stunt and block your biblical worldview development so that you yeah. can embrace this secular world and everything, that, all the chaos and immorality and death and violence and destruction that goes along with it. Uh, L. Duncan, a pharmaceutical rep for biblical bocklers uh, for ESPN. Thank you, Delano. Appreciate it. Uh, go to youtube.com slash Jason Whitlock, hit notifications, hit subscribe. Tamika Michelle, X. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, uh, let's roll out to uh, North Carolina. Uh, Shamika Michelle uh, is going to join the show and help me make sense of something I could not make sense of uh, yesterday. She's going to help me make sense of two things, but one of them is something that came up yesterday. T.R. Mack, the state senator uh, from Rhode Island, and her, her twerk video. Let, let's, let's play the state senator from Rhode Island twerking. Vote Senator Mack. Uh, vote Senator Mack, Tierra Mack, uh, twerking in a bathing suit. She's black, queer, and unapologetic about it. Uh, one day she'll perhaps be president of the United States of America, the way we're headed. Uh, Shamika, uh, make it make sense for me, please. Jason, I consider myself to be pretty cool or hip, maybe not so much since I use that word. But if this video, if she had actually been at the beach doing yoga and was playing around and somehow this ended up on social media, I would be a lot more forgiving. But the fact that she did this intentionally, posted it and ended it with vote Senator Mack is very demeaning and degrading. Not only did she minimize herself to just ask, she minimized her voters to just being able to see ass. She thinks that they are not intellectually capable of talking about actual policies. She didn't want to talk about her, her gun policy because right now in America is not the time to tell black people that you're going to be restrictive about gun ownership. She didn't want to talk about the fact that she wants to put a comprehensive sex ed program into schools because most of us understand that the biologically based sex ed that we grew up with was enough. She doesn't even want to tell voters that she's a shield for the Democrat Party and that she's going to be pushing the Green New Deal. So she wanted to distract them with behind. So it, in my opinion, Tiara Max needs to be shut down because 
not simply because she has a, a bruised uh, behind and 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 twerk her twerk game is me but because she will push a globalist agenda that will harm america yeah i, I don't I, I i don't know what to make of her and the fact that she's i think the youngest state senator certainly in rhode island i think she's only 26 years old and maybe in all of the country i don't know what it says about rhode island that someone with this little substance and just, you know, this love affair, again, is how they've made diversity and inclusion the goal, not excellence. Excellence is no longer the goal. Uh, the meritocracy isn't what we're striving uh, to build. It's like, oh, her sex life, she's queer, and her skin color qualify her to be a politician. And when you reduce the qualifications, to something uh, that non-substantive, this is what you get. Someone uh, that thinks, you know, putting out TikTok videos and telling people to vote, uh, look at my ass, come vote for me. Basically, uh, she's Cardi B, uh, or the Lizzo and Cardi B kind of mixed together uh, of, po <laughs> of politics. Uh, good luck with it. Uh, uh, speaking of, there's another, uh, and we're not picking on black women, but, you know, we keep making the content, and so, you know, I I'm just sorry, but Leslie Jones, the former Saturday Night Live comedian, uh, she had a special 4th of July message for all of America. Let's take a look. What's up, y'all? I was going to write a post out, but um, I just feel like I need to say this. You know, I would say happy 4th of July, but... It's not really a happy 4th of July, is it? Because 4th of July is supposed to stand for independence and you know how our country fought for freedom, all this stuff. But this ain't the land of the free. Y'all have taken away women's rights. You're trying to take away voters' rights. You're, you're, you're not representing anything that this holiday is supposed to be about. You know? Um, I, I, I listen to the Star Spangled Banner and all of that, and I go, this is not the land of the free. This is not nothing that we're saying that it is. Nothing. Nothing. So it's hard for me to say happy 4th of July because it feels like we're going back to slavery, you know? So maybe I should say happy back to slavery day because if we don't do something, there will be no Independence Day for anyone. Uh, make it make sense, and and if you can, because uh, it's a struggle for me. I, I'm, I'm gonna I'm do I'm gonna do everything in my power not to talk about Leslie Jones's looks uh, in this. But you you do whatever <laughs> makes you feel good. Please make it make sense for me, Jason. Where else, if not America, can you resemble Great Ape and have the success? <laughs> that Leslie Jones has had. Look, and, and we're not picking on black women. As a dark-skinned black woman, I understand colorism more than anybody else. But we're going to stop lying, and we're going to stop lying today. Leslie Jones is not where she is because she is the funniest woman in America. She's not. She's not where she is because she's the cutest woman in America. She's not. She's where she is because of the opportunities that we have in America. She is 
where she is because this is the land of the free and the home of the brave. She was brave enough to say, I'm not the funniest, but I have a dream. She was brave enough to say, I'm not the most attractive, but I have a dream. She left school and went after what she wanted because this is America and you actually have the ability to do that here, nowhere else. And I am just sick of people like Leslie Jones pushing this oppressive mind state that, oh, we don't have these rights. First of all, when she talks about voters' rights, Every black person that I know has a state-issued ID of some sort. When she talks about women's rights, women still have the right to close their legs and be the peach that's out of reach. They still have the right to actually use contraception. So stop the lies, Leslie, because there are people, children looking up to you that aren't the cutest, aren't the brightest, aren't the the funniest, that want to do what you're doing, but you're telling them that they can't do it in the land that you actually did it in. Stop the lies because this is foolishness and I don't appreciate it and I'm tired of it, Jason. So for me, stop talking about this is back to slavery day because if we went back to slavery, just like myself, Leslie, you would be in the field. And as a six foot woman that's actually built like a man, you would probably be working alongside the oxen. I'm going to show some discipline here and say that what the point you made that really rings true to me is how Leslie Jones could go on to become a millionaire, celebrity, celebrated in this country and, and not want to look back and tell other young people, you can do it too. Here's how I did it. I didn't meet all the beauty standards that this country celebrates. I'm not, and just like you said, she's not the funniest comedian. The only thing I've ever seen her do that I enjoyed was in Coming to America too. I thought she was great in that. Uh, other than that, I don't find her that humorous. I didn't, her stuff on Saturday Night Live, her one joke seems to be, uh, look how ugly I am and I still want a man, and everybody kind of laughs at her, and so maybe that's what makes her miserable, is that she's the punchline to all of her jokes, and she knows it, and that's how she earns her living, but again, other women who have her skin tone, look like her in other countries, would beat down doors, break down doors, do anything to get here in this country, and enjoy the life that she has. Why she's not telling other kids, whether they be black, white, whatever, that you can do it too. That, that's what drives me crazy about the left is I see too many people on TV making a bunch of money, uh, living great lives who, who aren't telling other people, here's how I did it and here's how you can too. They're, they're constantly, oh, you can't do it, it's terrible. I'm just the luckiest person in the world or I, I don't know what they're, saying about their own life and their own journey, but I know that my little fat butt, chubby butt, grew up poor, Uh, father didn't graduate high school, mother was a factory worker. I made it, I don't think I'm special. I I think I show up to work and I would just tell other kids, young people that, show up, that's more than half the job and you'd be amazed, show up and show a little discipline. Don't have a bunch of, a string of babies 
uh, before you're ready. Uh, so anyway, uh, we're a bit behind schedule. Shamika, I got to go. Great job as always. Thank you so much. Uh, support, support Conservative Voices. Subscribe to Blaze TV at get.blazetv.com backslash fearless and get $10 off your yearly subscription. That's if you use the backslash fearless at get.blazetv.com backslash fearless, you get $10 off your yearly subscription. Mas Teray. All right, let's uh, roll out uh, to Maj Torre. I had to bring Maj on, uh, wanted to bring him on yesterday, but I got on a roll yesterday and just, you know, went so deep on the Highland Park deal. I wanted to give everybody else a chance to marinate, reflect, and, and come up with their own take. Had to get to Maj. Maj is our expert here on the show as it relates to the Second Amendment. And we're hearing a lot of people as it relates to the shooting in Highland Park, uh, red flag logs. They're, they're, they're going to solve all these problems. And Illinois has some of the most restrictive gun laws in the country. Uh, these red flag laws that are supposed to fix everything, they already got them in Illinois, I believe. And it didn't stop uh, Robert Cremo from getting a gun. Uh, Maj, I, I, I just wanted your reaction to the political reaction uh, to what happened in Highland Park, Illinois. Well, the political reaction is going to be the same political reaction that the left does generally. Now, when I say these terms, I get for people that haven't heard before, left and right are just terms to classify a thought of person that has a, uh, subscribes to a particular pol political lean, right? Um, and in saying that, because we're all Americans, okay? Historically, though, when there's something like this that happens, the political left is going to blame it on the gun. They're going to say, we just need more rules. We need more laws, so forth and so on. They're going to completely ignore the fact that this kid had been making music since he was 11. He's upload music, you know, uploaded music talking about this very same thing when he was 16. So we're talking about a red flag law as if just being involved and finding out what's going on with this young man, which is not another law that would be intrusive to the freedoms or Fourth Amendment rights of American citizens, just actually doing the community job, doing the community policing, doing the things that target a specific person that's doing a specific thing. So the answer from the left is gonna be the same. Now, here's why I am gonna be critical of us that more identify on the right. We have to make this cause of finding and addressing these issues our own. There's a great organization called Walk the Talk America that does this. They are the crossroads between mental health and firearms ownership. We on the right that believe in the Second Amendment, that believe in freedom, that believe in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, the sovereignty of each individual, um, whether that's independent, libertarian, Republican, conservative, whatever, we have to make this cause our cause because the people on the left They've associated an attempt to hijack this uh, subject matter to make it about removing our rights. If we don't get actively involved 
and reaching out in community organizations. When we hear things like this, reach out to family members. We leave that door open for the left to weaponize uh, this for the political tool that they're absolutely going to utilize it for. The Walk the Talk organization you're talking about, what kind of work do they do? What kind of work do you think needs to be done? Clearly on this show, the initiative here is like, hey man, if we don't get back to some biblical values and some mm-hmm. family structure, if there's mm-hmm. no family structure, if that's not important to us, we're going to continue to produce, like an assembly line, mm-hmm. a string of defective, crazed, drugged up kids that are yeah. capable of this type of violence. Absolutely. Walk the Talk America does. Now, again, I, I got to be clear that a friend of mine, you know, Mike Sodini, he created the organization. Uh, he, he's a member in the gun industry. And he saw that these are, you know, we're talking about 60 percent of gun related deaths in America annually, 60 percent being suicides. A person has a mental deficiency. And I'm not saying that facetiously or to an attack someone. A person that wants to kill themselves is suffering from some 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 uh, form of mental deficiency. Walk the Talk America does private, free mental health screenings. You can do it right online. You don't have to put your personal information in, and they create a litany of resources for people that once they go through this test, private test. If they find out that, hey, I need to get some 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 work done, they can go through Walk the Talk America's website and get the work that they need done. Now, the reason why this is very important is because a lot of people we're talking about guys, veterans coming home 22. I think the number might have been 22 vets kill themselves daily or some absurd number like that. We're talking about men that may have went into the military to defend the nation, may have found out other things that maybe I'm working for Raytheon instead of, and seeing these horrible things, instead of protecting our nation, they have PTSD. Now they're also gun owners, but a lot of times because these vague red flag laws or these vague, uh, since the Gun Control Act of 1968, if you're mentally adjudicated in some states, that means that you check yourself into a mental facility Right. You don't you no longer have the right to keep and bear arms. So sometimes we're doing something that prevents guys. And a lot of times, again, most of these mass shooters are not military vets or things like that. But I'm, I'm expressing the point that we have to do a thing where we're cultivating people to get the help that they need instead of asking for them to remove more of their rights during a time that they're going through the process of getting the help that they need. So Walk the Talk America does things like that. It's completely anonymous. If you want to identify yourself, you can. There's another organization called holdmyguns.org. And again, I have to be clear, I am not paid by any of these organizations. I just recognize that they do the work that our country needs right now, and they should be highlighted more. Hold My Guns is an organization where if your friend or you're going through something, hey man, I'm gonna check myself out. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling depressed, I'm feeling suicidal. It's a, it's a, a program where we can hold your firearms for you while you get the help that you need. So we're not asking law enforcement to put themselves at risk because let's say if the person is suicidal or homicidal, we can get these firearms from the person in a trusted source. The law enforcement does not have to be involved. We do not have to get further state encroachment on Fourth Amendment rights. These are the arguments that we have to push as gun owners when these things happen, because this Highland Park kid clearly had issues. We neglected, and I say we as a nation, we've 
neglected to address it or us on the right may have, you know, and you said, you know, getting back to a biblical solution. I don't care if you're Hindu, you're Islamic, you're Krishna, Hare Krishna. I don't care. There is a form of order that comes with the discipline of spirituality that we are just not even paying attention to at this point. So that spiritual component is an individual thing that we uh, and that can be collective as the community. We can get involved in that way and supporting and getting behind organizations like Walk the Talk America, like HoldMyGuns.org, because we recognize that everyone that may want to get the help doesn't want that to come with the sacrificing of their uh, firearms, their, their private and personal property, or their right to keep and bear arms lawfully for, for, you know, for the near to potentially distant future. All right, so Maj, let me ask you this. I, you talked about Walk the Talk and another organization. Let's say I could snap a finger and Maj Torre is president of the United States tomorrow. Mm-hmm. What, what does Maj Torre think we should do? And, and maybe there's, you know, people are afraid to say this, and I, I gotta say I'm a bit hesitant to say this, but it, it's kind of what I believe. The Second Amendment and the right to bear arms is so central to freedom, Mm -hmm. not just in America, but all over the globe, that I'm not callous uh, to these events, these tragic events that happen. Yeah. But I'm going to, there's always going to be a consequence to freedom. And so it's like the media hops on these incidents and say, look, we got to stop. And I'm like, well, hold on. If we're going to, there's going to be some negative that comes along with the right to bear arms. And maybe to some degree, we we just have, there are going to be crazy people that will get a hold of guns and it's terrible. And we should do things to try to make sure it doesn't happen less. But taking our guns away is not on the table because you'll take freedom away. The only rights you have on this planet are the rights that you're able to and willing to defend. Correct. And if they take the guns away, you can't defend your rights, so you have no rights. And so anyway, if you were president, Mm -hmm. what would you be suggesting we do? I would suggest everybody recognize the Constitution. Even as the president, I am a part of a system of checks and balances. I am a part of the reason why this is structured this way for me as the president to be a part of something that you don't get to arbitrarily uh, make a decision for 330 million people because you felt that way. I would not mandate that everyone has a firearm. If you want one, the Constitution is clear, the Bill of Rights is clear, this is the process. I, as the president, would create a space where it's, what are we doing to address, we just sent however many, first first step is, let's get that money back from Ukraine. That's number one. That's the first thing that we're gonna do. Secondly, we're gonna at least audit or end the Fed. Thirdly, we're gonna stop this lobbying because contrary to popular incorrect opinion, when they talk about the gun industry and they're the biggest dogs in the lobby, no. It's the pharmaceutical industry. And the vast majority of these shooters are on psych psych meds. So lobbying is done. Financial lobbying is done. We're going to audit or potentially end the Fed, which is not a federal government organization. It is a private banking cartel. Okay, 
And it would get back to you have to have a conversation about what does the Constitution say about this? What does the Bill of Rights say about this? And the great thing about this is it also says anything that we didn't double down on in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, we're going to respectively leave it up to the states to make that decision. Hence, the Supreme Court overturning Roe versus Wade. Roe versus Wade got it wrong 50 some odd years ago. The, 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 the nine people sitting on a bench, including those great uh, legal minds, they do not get to make sweeping decisions without a system of checks and balances that overreaches into the individual. Individual and sovereign rights are important. If you want to live in a space as the decree, as my first day on in office as the president of these United States, if you want to organize and in your state to have firearms not be there, I understand that. But the supreme law of the land is already clear. If you don't want to have one, you are willing to not have one. You also, we will expedite your process to live in a country where firearms ownership is not by individual citizens is not a thing. I will on day two swiftly create a space to get you to whatever country that you feel is the model. Yesterday, Mayor Kennedy of Philadelphia, where I live, excuse me, after the 4th of July, there was a shooting here that they're trying to present as a mass shooting. It was not. He says, I was in Canada two weeks ago. I didn't have to think about a gun. The only people that had firearms were the police, and that's how it should be here. That's literally what he said. That disqualifies you from the job. That means you don't know the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the entrenchment of our uh, the people to have arms against the government. We have this type of mentality of a politician or i.e. supposed to be a public servant that doesn't understand his role. Stay in your lane. You are here to serve the will of the people, the will of the people. If they want that to change, even the Second Amendment, you can get an amendment ratified. You just get two thirds of Congress to agree with it and it'll be gone. But instead of doing that, they tried to manipulate the general public to not have a civic understanding. So day three would be, hey, we're reinstituting social studies into government ran schools so a lot of you people can have an understanding of civics. So A, it's we're gonna audit or potentially end the Fed. B, there's no more lobbying financially. Do your lobbying with your data and your mouthpiece. And C, we're in a space where you have to learn about civics, especially if you want to be a public servant. You are there to serve the people and their interests that align with the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. If you do not want to support that, we will get you a quick ex expedited ticket to Russia. You can hang out with Brittany if you want to. We can get you over to the CCP over there in China. You can get potentially, maybe they'll give you some LeBron money, who knows? But you have the right to move to a place that is more in alignment with your anti-gun mentality. Hit us up six months later and tell us how you feel about that. Canada's right up the street. Thank you, Maj. Love the point about Big Pharma. Uh, because again, this whole conversation we're having about guns is a distraction. So we won't talk about the drugs we're pumping into all of us, but particularly our young people and kids. They're, they're drugged up zombies and we're, we're wondering why they're spinning off the rails, but let's not talk about that. It's the guns. 
It's, they didn't, ha they didn't have the guns, they could take all the drugs they wanted, they could be zombies and they could only stab each other. That'll fix it. All right, uh, don't go anywhere. Tennessee Harmony, Pastor Anthony. Welcome back. Uh, time for a little Tennessee Harmony, uh, my favorite time of the week. Uh, Pastor Bobby has peaced out on us again two weeks in a row, but uh, Pastor Anthony Walker is here. And so, Anthony, before we get into this conversation, I'd like for you to bless our conversation. Father God, we are so thankful for the opportunity to share on this platform. Father, we pray that what we say is a benefit to those who hear and draws everyone back to your will and your way. We're thankful in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, obviously, I, I, I wanna start here uh, with the Highland Park uh, shooting. It seems like we've talked, in the past year, we've talked about a lot of these. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I, I, I was so devastated on the 4th of July uh, and just felt like, man, America's just at a crossroads and the only it's like we need a resurrection. The country yes. needs a resurrection, and it only comes through Christ. Right. That's the only solution I can see. Uh, that's the only thought I had on the 4th of July, learning about these events. Is like, man, if we don't come to Jesus, this just isn't going to get better. Yeah, it's, it's truly a come-to-Jesus time, come-to-Jesus moment. Uh, the thing that hit me was Romans chapter 1. Uh, it, the book of Romans is Paul's example for how we can live in a society that is antithetical to the way of God. That's really a lot of the thrust of the book. He speaks about that in chapter one. I've got a, a verse to share. Romans one verses 28 through 31. Listen to some of these symptoms. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God. So God gave them over to a depraved mind that they do what they ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossip, gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. This is all, these are all the symptoms of what turning away from God looks like. And when we look at our society at large, it's, it's like we're wanting to go away from God. We don't want your church. We don't want your Christ. We don't want your, but we stand back and look at what those symptoms look like. You see the identity crisis that's going on. People have a difficult time even defining what a woman is. We don't know what marriage looks like. We don't know what love looks like. We don't know how to take care of our children, how to protect them. There are mass shootings. And even if they're not mass shootings, there are multiple homicides. Violence is on the run. All of these are symptoms of what it looks like to turn from God. And we can point our finger at it's the TV, it's the technology, it's the this. And, and those are areas that the enemy uses, but at the root, it's us turning away from God. If we turn back to God, 
a lot of this stuff will ease up. I, I want to add this element to it because people that are non-religious may hear that and say, oh, they boogeyman in the sky, blah, blah, but, but they don't understand like the Bible and the biblical principles and, and everything that faith is trying to teach. It gives you a purpose. Yes. And that's why Rick Warren had the book, Purpose Driven Life. Yes. And so when you start moving away from God, you're, you're actually taking people's purpose away. And then when we choose our own purpose, mm -hmm. You got what you're talking about in right, Romans. Right. No purpose leads us to no hope, and no hope leads us to violence and even self-violence. So you're right. If we think, if we go all the way back and we think we just evolved from some fluid and, and liquid on the earth and we're just a bunch of chemicals, then life has no value. When we die, it's over. There's nothing that we live for. So do what you want now. That's what you get. But when you understand that we were made by a designer, God designed us, then that means that God purposed us. He has a design and a purpose. Every product we have, we have a designer and a purpose for that. And if I need to know what my purpose is, I got to get to know him. And when I know him, that gives me a reflection of how to treat myself and how to treat others. So all of it goes back to understanding who God is. All right, something else interesting happened this weekend for me. Uh, and literally, I, I was, over the past month, I've been in conversations about tithing and, and Creflo Dollar, renowned megachurch TV evangelist, uh, a couple of weeks ago put out a sermon about where he admitted he had been teaching uh, tithing mm -hmm. from in, in the wrong manner and way. And so uh, anyway, I watched the full sermon. I first saw this clip we're about to play. Then I ended up watching the full sermon and I wanted to ask you about it because, you know, there's a lot of different thoughts people have about tithing. Is it Old Testament that and the New Testament, you know, because we're living under God's or under Jesus's grace and mercy? Does it apply? Anyway, here's what Creflo Dollar had to say. Let's watch this. And today I stand in, in humility to correct some things that I've taught for years and believed for years, but could never understand it clearly because I had not yet been confronted with the gospel of grace, which has made the difference. I won't apologize because if it wasn't for me going down that route, I would have never ended up where I am right now. But I will say that I have no shame at all at saying to you, throw away every book, every tape, and every video I ever did on the subject of tithing, unless it lines up with this. I've, I've done some corrective teaching in the, in, the, in the last 10 years, but not to the degree of what we're getting ready to do now. So why is this important? Because religion is sustained by two factors, fear and guilt. And if it's one subject that the church has used for a long time to keep people in fear and guilt, it is in that subject of tithing. 
and it has to be corrected and it's got to be corrected now. I may lose some friends. Preachers may not ever invite me no more, but I think I've already been through that, so it doesn't matter. Uh, I won't <laughs> apologize Ooh, because I would never end up where I am right now. And, and that seemed like an odd message, both. I won't apologize, that seemed odd, and then to make it, I would never be who I am right now if I hadn't made these mistakes. And as a minister and as a leader, mm. you're tending to a flock and a congregation, and so the apology should be, hey, I've misled you guys right. and taken you places where you shouldn't have been. But he's justifying because <laughs> Worked out great for me. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be where I am mm -hmm. if I hadn't talked y'all about all this money for 30 years. Right, <laughs> right. It was mind-blowing to me. I've heard, I've heard Christians say that about their past life. They're, they would say, you know, had I not gone into this, I would not have been here now. You know, had I not gone back. He, I, I get sometimes how people say that. The problem that I have with him, and I think it lines up with what you're talking about, is it's not that I individually went down this path. No, I led you guys. I actually taught. And when you look back on it, I'm not sure how familiar we, you are with this. It originates with a misunderstanding of 3 John 2, which John gives a, a line in, in, in John 3 John 2 where he says, I pray that you, your spirit prospers, your soul prospers, that you prosper as your soul prospers. That's basically the, the verse. And so what some of these prosperity uh, gospel ministers do is they say they attach your faith and your salvation to your prosperity. So if you're doing well, then that's an evidence. Oh, you're good. But if you're not doing well financially, health wise, et cetera, then this is not it. And a lot of it for them leans on this financial aspect of it. So it is. If you got sickness in your body, Jason, well, the problem is you're not tithing well enough. If you're struggling with this, you're not tithing well enough. You need to sow this seed. You need to give. So you have these grandmothers who are praying for their grandkids and they're saying, man, I, I want him to get better. And, and here, let me give my last $40 to Creflo. And now Creflo says 30 years later, I won't apologize for that because it wouldn't have let me know if you're retracting, reversing your teaching, then repentance is not just a change of activity, but it's a change of attitude. So if I felt that I needed to change the attitude or the action, then I need to change my attitude. I'm sorry that I did that. I'm sorry. I was wrong. I misled you. He did mention that, you know, as preachers should, and I do the same thing, as I grow spiritually, I can look back 10 years ago and I said, man, what was I talking about then? What was I saying? And I tell the church, man, I shouldn't have said this. I, this was wrong. I'm sorry that I led you to think that. But for him to get to this place, uh, just really, why, and then the, the boldness to say, I won't apologize. The other issue that I saw in the message was he looks again at this prosperity angle as God wants me. He wrote a book called God Wants You to Be Rich. So he has this angle of God wants me to have this wealth. So when the church gives him, you know, this lavish Rolls Royce, 
He says his initial response was, wow, that, that's too much. I'm going to sell that and give this money to the ministry. That's a noble thing. But then he turns around and says, no, God wanted me to have that. And God wanted me to have the second one that I got a week later. Like, wait a minute, Creflo, are you are you lining this up? Are you lining it up that you told your te- your, your your members that you need this sixty five million dollar jet to do your ministry? You need that. And, I, and, and for me, it's not that ministers can't have nice things. and It's not that the church can't do things like that. But I look at ministers that I know are doing a lot of conferences, doing a lot of face to face ministry missionaries that could use this kind of thing. But he's saying that he couldn't do it without a sixty five million dollar jet. My issue is. And it's really from watching this over the weekend, have you, me and Bobby had some private conversation, but even in this conversation, I'm coming to a deeper understanding of the dangers of the prosperity gospel. Mm-hmm. Because what, <clears throat> what you just helped me understand is that there will be someone in his congregation suffering some sort of illness mm-hmm. or whatever, and his prosperity gospel, well, if you tithe more, you give more to God and get blah, 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 you know, you'll experience. Rather than, let's say I come to him and say, hey, my blood pressure's high. Mm-hmm. And the solution isn't me tithing, it's me exercising, eating better, following what the doctor tells me, yeah. things like that. And, and instead, he's got people think, well, if I tithe more, I don't need to have less salt in my diet. I don't need to cut down the fat. I don't need to cut down the late night slacks and mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. pastries and all that. That, and, and again, that speaks to why he he needs to apologize and instead, the, the other thing, because one, I was originally applying it just like, this is really inappropriate for a minister. Like, I would never, I wouldn't be who I am right now. But when I start thinking about my own life of sin, sure. I have sincere regrets and realize that if I could do it all over again, I would be a better person if I avoided that. And so I want to apologize to me and to God. Like I'm not who you wanted me to fully be because of these sins I was committing. And I have deep regret for that. And the minister can't see that because I wouldn't be who I am right now. Right. Well, who are you right now other than a man that led some people down a path to, to, yes. to their destruction? Yes, yes. One of the greatest psalms that David wrote, uh, Psalms 51, a lot of people are familiar with the one verse where he says, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me. But David writes this psalm after he had been approached about his affair that he had with Bathsheba and after having her husband killed. At the time, David was warned, just as Creflo was warned, David was warned, hey, man, this is not your wife. And David pursued her anyway. Hey, David, it's not right for you to put Uriah out there on the front lines. David did it anyway. So at the time, he felt justified in what he was doing until he was hit by Nathan that says, hey, man, you really messed up. It took David to a point where he's praying and pleading to God. God, I sinned against you. 
I messed up, God. This was I, I he, he, he even says, Jason, in Psalms uh, 51, he says, God, I don't want you to take your presence from me. I don't want to lose relationship with you because of how bad I messed up. He says, but if you forgive me, then I will teach transgressors your way. Then I will tell others, man, how bad I was, how messed up I was and for them not to do that. So again, this whole piece with Creflo, I remember when the $65 million jet was up. I remember when he's asking everybody, you got to give at least this much. I've heard some of his messages where he said, you should be rich because of this prosperity angle. And I'm thinking, wait, I know some faithful folk who got cancer. They were faithful to God. But because of what happens in their body, you're going to say, well, you didn't tithe well enough. I know a lot of people who have a lot of money that if they could, they would pay cancer away. You can't do that. It's not attached to your tithe. It's about faithfulness. The last piece I'll say on this, um, God does give principle in the New Testament that we're given. There isn't a mandate on a percentage. And sometimes we use that Old Testament tithe, which is literally 10th. As a standard, I get the spirituality behind, hey, there's a tenth of what you have giving back to God. But even giving to God and depending upon him was even before the law. Uh, Cain and Abel practiced giving an offering to God out of what they had. So there is that angle. But this whole idea that my tithe is connected, that was what he taught. And now he's correcting that teaching. But I'm not sure if there's really been a change, because even towards the end of that message, he's still talking prosperity. So I, I appreciate the, I the small change. change. Yeah. I, 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 I'm not even sure why he did it. Because right. I watched, I think it's an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah. I watched the whole thing. Yeah. And I'm like, by the time he was done, I was like, well, what you, <laughs> you ain't changed nothing up. Because literally what you say now. Some of you still should give 10%. Maybe some of you should give more. I don't know. <laughs> and God gave me those Rolls Royces. When, yeah. when he said that, I was just like, ooh. <laughs> I couldn't get with it, man. <laughs> Anthony, uh, thank you. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, let's hear some harmony, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. up so divided stop fighting and stand tall we used to be a nation one united now we're headed for downfall gotta let your light shine down what we need more than anything
bad to me 